very special uh, guest, Rabbi Simcha Cantor. The most special guest of the year, that's right. Rabbi Simcha Cantor, that's the you, you guys have to convince him to farbring for you at some point. Time works. Um, so, Rabbi Simcha is actually the author of the Simply Chassidus. Now, the Maimer that I posted in English, and that often whenever we learn a Rebbe's Maimer that has the translation, I post the Maimer in English. So, this is the author, this is the source, this is where it comes from. He's a dear alumnus of Teferis. That's plural. <laughs> Graduated multiple times. And um, <laughs> he's a dear alumnus of Teferis, and he is—he lives. He's a younger man now who lives in Chicago, and he's from the pillars of the community over there. And I'm gonna stop embarrassing him, but he'll start off the mime for us. I didn't. I didn't believe you when I went here. I don't believe you now either. <laughs> okay. So in addition to being one of the pillows of the community in in Chicago, like Walrus, Walry, alumnus, alumni, same thing. Okay. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, I only have a few minutes. I'm actually here on business um, in New Jersey. And Rabbi Wagner asked me to stop by and introduce the mimer. So um, one thing that I just wanted to mention is that you get out of chassidus in general whatever you put into it. And your goal in learning a mimer like this is if your mother calls you and she asks you, you know, what have you been studying in yeshiva? You're able to tell her in words that she'll understand. Not, well, the kalem of Toyu, you know, as, she doesn't understand that, probably, unless you have a very special mother. <laughs> you want to be able to, someone asks you what you're learning and you explain to them why it's relevant. You want to be able to say over the mimer in the way of a conversation. This mimer has so many amazing messages in it. Um, in order to like I'll just, just give you an example. I mean, Rabbi Wagner introduced me as someone apparently very knowledgeable and very famous. And this past Shabbos, I sat down with a couple guys that didn't prepare anything. They wanted me to teach them some, some chassidus. And I completely stumbled over the first whole paragraph of the mimer. It was quoting three different gemaras and midrashim and whatever. I have no idea what they mean. No idea what they mean. So how does someone like me, author you know, the translation that they use all over the world of chassidus. It's because I first, I go through the mimer and I make sure that I understand all the quotes and I look up the quotes. It's really fun, highly recommended. They're all coming from somewhere. Look up the quotes, look up the Gemara. Then go through and make sure you understand each line of the mimer. Like, what is it actually saying? Don't just skim through it. There's, so that the first time you go through it is just make sure you know all the words and all the terms and what it's talking about and where the quotes are from. Like, who are the Tarmudai? Who are the Tarmudai? What does the Gemara say about them? It's going to talk about the Tarmudai. So, you know, know the background because then you can talk about it and then you can relate to it. 
Then you learn the mimer. Okay, now I know the basics. It's like going somewhere the first time. You know, can you tell me where's the bathroom? Like, how do I get to the cafeteria? This is the first time learning a mimer. The second time, you're kind of coming back to some. Okay, I know this airport already. You know, I know the airport. So I get to the rental car. You feel the a little uncle more comfortable. Are you in. <laughs> and you get, you're a little more comfortable with it. Now you go through it, and then usually the second or third time, you start to see. Okay, this is not just a technical discussion. This is a story, and this is a message. And this mimer talks about how do we see challenge, our challenges, an unfortunate consequence of gullis or a challenge is a way for us to reach our potential. Why is it? Why is Hanukkah more special than the Minayim in the Beis Hamikdash? Is it just because oh well, one is eight and the other one is seven, and one is during the day and one is during the night? No, it's all following one theme, and that all theme is telling you one message. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. But you, when you learn the mimer, you need to process these things. And afterwards, you should say, okay, now I get the story. How do I make this mimer part of the way that I process the world? If you think of your, your brain like a big set of Legos, and you can always you know, pick out the blue Lego and put in the green Lego and, and, and change things around. In the end, Chassidus talks about the way that Hashem sees the world, right? That's fun, or, or the way that tzaddikim see the world, because that's the way that Hashem sees the world. So tzaddikim then explain it to us in this very difficult to understand code that requires a lot of effort on our part, called chassidus. And we need to take it in a way that we can kind of process it through this system of a question and a quote and a reference and a, 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 an answer to that question that doesn't quite make it, and you have to go to a different answer. This whole path is a way for us to rearrange the Legos in our brain in order to understand the world differently. When I see a challenge, something that's preventing me either from the inside or from the outside in fulfilling Tayyidah Mitzvahs, how do I see that? Is that something that's against me? Is that something that should frustrate me? Is it something that should excite me and bring out my deepest energies inside? I kind of gave that one away, right? But each of these things, the way we process it and the way we relate to it is made over and transformed by the perspective on the world that Chassidus gives us. So you learn this mimer, and first you're getting like the basics, the framework, how to navigate. Second, you're getting the story and the message. And third, you have to ask yourself, why am I not being more like this? And that's why as soon as you finish this mimer, meaning you have to hold up your side of the deal, that you're going to put yourself into the mimer. And the faster you do it, the better, because Rabbi Wagner is not going to teach it forever. So put yourself into it fast, get through it, learn the basics, then go through it and get the story. Then spend the time asking Rabbi Wagner both now and during the Fabrengen that he's going to have for you on the topic of this mimer. Yeah, but don't, you can't say Rabbi Wagner is going to have a Fabrengen for you guys. If you do all your homework and you're at the point where you're talking about it, you can talk about it with your friends and you can talk about it with someone who's not in yeshiva or someone who doesn't learn chassidus. You can have that conversation. You're now ready to ask yourself, why am I not living? Why am I not processing the world? What is it that's inside of me where the Legos are colliding that I'm trying to put the new block in and they're saying, no, sorry, that's not from this set. It doesn't fit. What, that's what the Fabrengen is supposed to accomplish after you learn a mimer like this. You have to be able to imagine if this mimer were a person, how would this person act? 
What would they do? What kind of decisions would they make in their life? How would they treat other people? What would they do when they got up in the morning? What wouldn't they do with their day? And then you can think, why am I not more like that person? How can I be more like that person? Maybe even just in one way. So especially now, this holds for any Maimar of this anytime. My Marm of Hanukkah, I feel, are especially meaningful because they talk about Hanukkah was a, a, a uniquely gullis, gullis-born yamtiv. You know, we have we have Hanukkah and we have Purim. These are very special times in Chassidus. A lot of the time, whatever is the most important, everyone else thinks is the most the minor important. Holidays. What? The minor holidays are the ones yes. that relate to the us. Yes, Shemini Yatzeres, Shemini Shal Pesach, Hanukkah and Purim. These are the ones that, if you're initiated and you learn Chassidus, you see that the deepest stuff is in the the holidays where everyone doesn't quite know what to do with, and they're mostly a normal day. A great example is Shemini Yatzeres. Everyone else is like, okay, circus is over. <laughs> this is the holiday with nothing. Or, oh, Hanukkah, it's not really an important holiday. It's like everyone else in the Gaisha world, you know, out there thinks Hanukkah is our biggest day of the year, when in fact, like, it's pretty much a normal day, but you just light the Menorah, and it's kind of inconvenient because it's a little bit early because it's the winter, and you've got to light it, you know, at a normal time. But other than that, like, it's a normal day. No, says this. There's a huge, huge message that specifically relates to us in our life and facing challenges. And not just facing challenges, facing the type of challenges that you get on the way to accomplish the ultimate purpose of your own life and the collective purpose of why we exist here and why we're learning this. So um, that's my message to you that I could stop by with this morning. You, you got to take it, whatever you put into it. So this is meant to change you not to give you some more deep information or make you feel spiritual. It's it's here to make you make decisions that are different and have a perspective that's different and have a, a drive that's different. So you really, it's, a, it's an opportunity. It's available. You, you all have it in English. So there's no reason, and it's written like a story. That's why I write Simply Chassidus the way that I do, is I try to make it a, a clear that the mimer is a, is a is a flow and it's a story and it's a message and it oh, the builds. English is on the WhatsApp. <laughs> Some assembly here, here requires. In the class, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here in the okay. class, I make you work a little harder. But but it's it's helpful. There's nothing. There's no rule against reading the English to understand the flow. You can read it on your phone. You can go print it out if you, you do such things. And or and, and then knowing the flow, now you go back to the Hebrew and now you're breaking your teeth and you're breaking your head over understanding the sentences. I remember what it was like when I first came here. I learned olive base when I was sitting right on the other side of that wall. So, so you know, then once you know the flow, you can start to put all the pieces into place, like looking at the end picture on the picture on the Lego box, right? When you're putting together the Legos. I like Legos this morning. Um, and Bezos Hashem, you'll write your own simply chassidus. Yeah. In ten years, you'll be introducing the Bible. <laughs> so l'chaim l'chaim, everybody, take advantage, and um, and please let me know when you have your febrengen. Okay. I'll see if I can. Make it. What? No, there's one febrengen just just for you, Simcha. When are you coming? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. Have a nice day, everybody. Okay. So let's start the Mimer. With an introduction like that, I don't need to give any more introductions. Mitzvasa shall ner Hanukkah, Mishatishka, Hama, Ad Shatichle, Regal, Menashuk, Hulu, Ad the Kali Regal, the Tarmadai, eat the cookies while they're hot. 
It won't, it won't interrupt your chassidus. You have to do it. You have to the That's the translation of the first line. Make sure you think it. It's the most important part of Hanukkah. Mitzvah sashel ner Hanukkah, the mitzvah of ner Hanukkah. This is a quote from the Gemara. And this quote of the Gemara is what the whole mimer is going to center around. So you need to make sure that this first line, you got down pat. The mitzvah of Hanukkah is, in other words, when do we light the Meneirah? Mishatishka hachama, from when the sun sets, shkias hachama, ad shatichla regal min hashuk, until, the simple meaning is, there is no more feet in the marketplace, meaning there are no more people walking around in the marketplace, and the, and the Gemara qualifies that and says, ad the kalya rigla de tarmoidai, until the Tarmidai are no longer in the marketplace. So you'll look up the Gemara, but the Gemara says, what are Tarmidai? Tarmidai are a certain tribe, a specific tribe, that this tribe, they would sell wood for ovens, for fires, firewood. And they would walk around selling the firewood after everybody came back home. They come home and they say, oh, it's too cold, or oh, we need to make supper, whatever it is. And we don't have enough wood left. You know how that happens to you all the time? So, so they go outside and there's the Tarmidai who are walking around selling the wood at just the right time. So they are the last people in the marketplace. They are the last people on the streets. They are the last people out there and therefore, the mitzvah is for Pirsum Hanes to publicize the miracle, and the pub- publicis- the publicity of this miracle is as long as there are people out there in the marketplace. That's the simple um, uh, meaning of this statement of the Gemara that we're introducing the Maimah with. I recognize most of the words except what's Nar at the beginning. Which word? At the, the third word of the Maimah. Ner Hanukkah? Just Ner. The candle. The candle of Hanukkah. So this mimer is a mimer which is based, like so many of the Rebbe's mimerim, on mimerim of earlier Rabbeim, the Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe Rashab, the Fidika Rebbe. So the Rebbe says it's explained in the drushim, in the mimerim, of the earlier Rabbeim, Rabbi Seinu Nesienu. Hachiluk, the difference Shabain Neres Chanukah, between the candles of Chanukah, Leneres Hamikdash Veneres Shabbos, to the candles of the Beis Hamikdash and the candles that we light every Friday night. The Neres Hamikdash Veneres Shabbos, the other candles which we light as mitzvahs, the mitzvah of lighting the candles in the Beis Hamikdash on the Meneres, the mitzvah of lighting the Friday night candles every single week, Zman had the time when we light them, is while it's still day. And the in the brackets over here, it explains that. What does it mean that it's still day? The Neiris of the base Hamikdash, they lit from Plag HaMincha. Plag HaMincha is the middle point of Mincha. There is the Mincha G'dayla, the long time of Mincha that you could have in, and the Mincha K'tan, and Plag HaMincha is that time in the middle. 
in the middle of the mincha, in the middle of the afternoon. So that's Plaga Mincha. Plaga Mincha is the afternoon when it starts getting towards evening. And that's when they lit the Besamikdash candles from Plaga Mincha on. Shehu Harbe, which is a long time, it says Sha'uravia, one and a quarter hours, but it doesn't mean one and a quarter hours in our hours. The hours that we have are on a clock that is evenly distributed all throughout the year. If you're able to explain this to this group of people, you deserve like five <laughs> gold stars. How only Jews could have one hour be 90 minutes and think it's normal. Even Izzy Heller is so laughing because he is like, uh, I just want to see if it's awake, Izzy, that was a quiz. So, but, but you try to explain how Jews have hours that are 90 minutes. Or 40 minutes. Minute, or 40 minutes. Yeah. And it's normal. <laughs> and you think it's normal. It's okay. <laughs> I want to hear this. Sorry. There, there isn't that much to explain. You take a day. The day starts from sunrise and it ends at sunset. And you take that and evenly... A pilot knows all of these things. And evenly split it up into 12 parts. And each part of that is an hour. So on our clock... That would end up being either 35, 40 minutes in a very short day of the winter or 90 minutes in a very long day of the summer or 60 minutes in a day, what's it called when the sun and... Well, well, yeah. That when, when, when everything is equal. In any case, so Shah Revia is talking about these types of hours, one and a quarter hour, before... The sun sets, that is when Plaga Mincha starts, but one and a quarter hour, that means one and a quarter parts, parts before sunset, that's still a significant part of the day. It's still um, more than one twelfth of the day that's left. Vigam Neri Shabbos, also the candles of Shabbos. You have to light them before sunset. That's the most important thing of lighting Shabbos candles is don't light them after it's already Shabbos. Mitzad Shmir Shabbos, because you have to guard Shabbos. I'll tell you a quick story. I wasn't planning on telling this story, but we'll smuggle it in, right? <laughs> we'll smuggle in a story. It's a Geshmaka story. <laughs> the story um, is I, I heard this story from my brother, Rabbi Akiva Levashalem. There was a shliach in France that was trying to convince a woman uh, that was um, uh, connected to him, the, the family that was connected to him. So the the wife of the family, the, she, he was trying to convince her to start wearing a shaitel, to start covering her hair. And she was very reluctant to do it, although she was very spiritual and excited about Yiddishkeit and all that. But her profession was a hairdresser. Mm. And it was very hard for her to start covering her hair. It's like almost this is how she markets her product. Um, so it was something which was very difficult for her. And a long time went by. And the, at one point, they traveled together to New York. And the Shlech was able to arrange, this was during the time when the Rebbe was still taking private audiences, Yechidus, and the Shlech was able to arrange that this woman 
get, got a private audience by the Rebbe. A Yechidus with the Rebbe. When she came out of the Yechidus, she went over to the Shliach and she said, I'm ready to buy a Shetel. So the Shliach said, I'm, I'm delighted, but I'm just wondering. I've been trying to convince you for so many years from so many different angles and explanations, etc., why covering the hair is so important. And the, the Rebbe did it in one audience. <laughs> what was it that the Rebbe told you that convinced you to cover your hair? Fair question. So she said, the Rebbe didn't talk to me about hair covering. <laughs> there wasn't a discussion which came up. So the sheikh said, so what's going on with you? So she said, I'll tell you very simple. In the course of the conversation, we discussed many things, but in the course of the conversation, the Rebbe turned to me and asked me, do I light Shabbos candles every Friday night? I said, of course, I light Shabbos candles every Friday night. But sometimes my husband lights them for me. So the Rebbe said, why? So she explained, she said that there are some times that she leaves work on the short Friday afternoons in the winter, she leaves work, it's already close to Shkia. She never is um, uh, doing anything, being Mechalal Shabbos, but when she leaves work, she only gets home after Shabbos. And she needs to light the candles while it's still day. She can't. When she gets home, it's already too late to light the Shabbos candles. So she has her husband light them for her that they, they should be lit that this way. He does it for her while she's walking home, whatever it is. Mm. So the Rebbe says, why don't you light them in your, uh, in your shop? Mm. So she says, Rebbe, I'm afraid to light it in my shop because there's all these hair products, flammable, and so on and so forth. So the Rebbe takes out a pen and a paper, <laughs> and the Rebbe draws a diagram of her shop. And the Rebbe circles one spot on this diagram, and the Rebbe says, why don't you light it over there? Over there would be okay to light it. She said, if the Rebbe can do that, I'm ready to cover my hair. <laughs> that That's the story. But now she needs somewhere in her office to put her wig. Um, the, the message of the story to us, and it's a relevant message to this mimer, is that we have a nefesh habahamis, an animal soul, as we know very well. And sometimes we think, Meisha, that our nefesh Bahamas is something so unusual that it's never been seen or heard from ever before. That there is nobody that can recognize or conceptualize our nefesh Bahamas. And sometimes we have a Rebbe that takes out a pen and a paper and tells us, this is your Nefesh Bahamas. I know it, I understand it, I get it. Don't think that I'm so out there that I'm not able to relate to you. And yet, you have this spot over here, Meisha. This little spot. And in that spot, you're able to put away your phone and to focus on davening. In that little spot. You hear me, Meisha? You could do it. Don't think that 
your nefesh of Bahamas is one which has never been seen since Birzel. Okay, that was a Maimar Muskar. Connected to the idea that you need to light Shabbos candles, of course. We light it 18 minutes before Shkia Sachama to make sure that we're not going to run into Shkia Sachama mitzad shmir Shabbos because of guarding Shabbos. That's the end of the brackets. And this is in contrast, Masha'enkein, in contrast to Ner Chanukah, to the lights of Chanukah, Mitzvah Sahi Mishatishka Chama. The mitzvah of lighting the Menorah is Mishatishka Chama when the sun sets. The Hagam, because even though the Zashatiknu Ner Chanukah, this, that the mitzvah of Chanukah was established, seemingly is corresponding to. To the menorah that was lit in the Beis Hamikdash, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it's all about? The menorah which was lit in the Beis Hamikdash—that's what Chanukah menorah is about. And yet, the menorah that was lit in the Beis Hamikdash was lit well into the day, plaga mincha, and the menorah that we light, we light after the sun already set. When it's already the beginning of night. Again, the Hagam, even though the Hanes, it's because of the miracle, which occurred with the candles of the Beis Vim Kane. If so, seemingly it would have been appropriate, it would have been proper, that the time of lighting the Menorah should be the same as the time that they lit the Menorah in the Beis corresponding to the Menorah in the Beis Hamikdash. Ubefrat, and especially the called the Tikkun Rabbanon Ke'en Dairaisa Tikkun. This is a statement which we find in Gemara, in Halacha, that called the Tikkun Rabbanon, everything that the Chachamim established, that the rabbis were misakin, that they established Ke'en Dairaisa Tikkun, similar Ke'en to the Torah laws, they established it. We find this in many areas where, for example, there are certain Melachis. There are certain things which we do not do on Shabbos, Midrabanan, that are rabbinic Melachis, and there are certain Melachis that are Da'iraisa, that are Torah Melachis. And when the Chachamim came and established their Melachis and said, these are things which you shouldn't do in addition to the things which the Torah says you shouldn't do, they established it similar. And we find this in many other areas also, where the rabbis established something and they established it similar to the way that it is in Torah. So seemingly, if the rabbis are establishing that we should light this is a rabbinic mitzvah. It's not a da'iraisa. It's not a mitzvah from the biblical, from the Torah. It's a mitzvah from the chachamim. Nevertheless, even though you would have assumed that they would establish it similar to the Torah, meaning lighting it at a similar time to the Torah, Mikol Makim, nevertheless, mitzvah davka mishatishka achama, the mitzvah is specifically mishatishka achama after the sun already sets. And the explanation of this is known. Sheha'inyin mishatishka achama, the idea of when the sun sets, ko'i alzman hagalus. This refers to the time of exile. The night darkness is exile. Exile is 
Shenikra B'Shem Cheshach, it's called Nikra with a, a title, with the label of Cheshach of Darkness. V'hasiba L'Cheshach HaGalus, why is the exile dark? In other words, what is exile? What is exile? What does it mean, exile? What's the difference between exile and redemption? The difference is very simple. In the exile, we don't see Abishter. We don't see godliness. We don't see spirituality. The time of the Beis Hamikdash, the time of Geula, is a time where we're able to see the Abishter in front of us. Implying we saw, we saw Abishter during the first and second temple? Yes. When a Yid went to the Beis HaMikdash. When a Yid went to the Beis HaMikdash, this Yid was able to see godliness in a tangible way in front of him. We were able to perceive godliness. We went into a place where godliness was almost like the chocolate chip cookies. Something you could touch, feel, taste. Something which you were able to relate to in a very real way, in a very practical way. Even during second base. Even during the second base of Mikdash. During the second base of Mikdash, it was somewhat less so than during the first base of Mikdash, but it was like that. It was there. It was primarily inside of the base of Mikdash. But you could imagine that if there's something that is a reality inside of the Beis HaMikdash, then even outside of the Beis HaMikdash, people were able to feel it as well, especially that Shalish Pamim Bashana Yerel called three times a year, everybody made sure to go up to the Beis HaMikdash, to spend time in the Beis HaMikdash, and that's the objective, in order that they should see and be seen. That's the whole point of being there. So once you have that, that the, the, this being in the base of Mikdash, you go home, you bring some of that home with you, like you're supposed to, from a Mimer, from a Fabrengen, etc. You're supposed to bring that home with you, not just when you're inside of the Mimer, but also when you're outside of the Mimer. Right. But uh, how the generation of, the, of the both base of Mikdash, uh, first one, second one, like mostly the Kohen Gadol that was exposed to uh, <coughs> great, uh, I don't know if what's the word, amount of holiness, like they didn't die. I, I know that they have to be like very uh, prepared to go to that service. But the generation of the desert, when they uh, were listening to the commandments, and they weren't able to listen to the to the full commandments, they only were to listen a few because they were dying. So the the revelation was not as intense as the revelation of Hashem speaking to the Yidin directly and saying, It was a more distant revelation than that, but it was a revelation nevertheless. Like, for example, I could be holding you, hugging you and embracing you. I could be a few feet away from you. I could be across the room from you. I could be on a Zoom call with you. I could be on the telephone with you. But in any of those cases, you're feeling me, you're seeing me, you're experiencing me, you're hearing me. Right? There's different levels of revelation, absolutely. And the level of revelation of Anoich Hashem was once in history when Hashem spoke to us by Har Sinai. And the other levels of revelation, they took place in different ways at different times. Okay, 
I wouldn't be able to compare. In, in, the, in the first day of creation? I don't know. I'm not able to compare because I, I, I'm in Galus. I'm in the darkness. So I don't know which um, exact scale of revelation each time was, but there definitely are different levels of revelation. Revelation in the second temple wasn't like the revelation in the first temple. The revelation in the first temple wasn't like the revelation of Sinai. Each step had its... What? Uh, there's I, right, so there's the revelations in Ganadin. There's different levels, and each level, each revelation has its own level, and is perfectly manufactured towards its appropriateness. However, the concept, the concept of gullus of exile, is no revelation. It's darkness. It's where a yid feels. Where? What? Who? That's, that's and you have to dig deep inside of yourself in order to discover your neshama, your light, your revelation, in order to feel, in order to be inspired. The inspiration is not something which is which is built. Let, let's just finish the paragraph and then we'll take more questions, okay? So let's read again from Viyadua Habir Baza. It's known the explanation in this. Sha'inyin Mishatishka Khama, the idea of the sun setting. Koi, it's referring to Alzmana Gullus, the time of exile. Shanikra Bashem Khoshech, which is called darkness. Vahasiba La Khoshech Agalus. Why is exile dark? Why is there no revelation during the time of exile? He the reason for it is, the cause of it is, the spiritual darkness. The idea of sin, which are the hepech, the exact opposite of ner mitzvah In other words, what is light? Light is Torah. Light is mitzvah. And when a yid is engaged in Torah study, engaged in mitzvah performance, then a yid is engaged in light. And when, Rahman al-Islam, we do the opposite, that's darkness. Why? What's the relationship? Are these just words? Absolutely not. Very briefly, because I don't want to go into narichos for now, but something which we've discussed in the past is the what what does light mean when you use the term light light means the ability at nil to see abishter to see abishter what is the concept of a sin the concept of a sin is that the abishter doesn't exist he's not my boss he doesn't tell me what to do so that's the opposite of seeing abishter what is seeing abishter seeing abishter is that I'm completely aligned and everything that I do, my thoughts, my feelings, my expressions, my actions, are all expressing Hashem. They're all connecting to Hashem. That's, that's the, idea of the, the idea of light, of revelation. And the idea of darkness is the opposite. The idea of darkness is that... The Ebishter is not here. What causes galus mipnei chata'enu galinu me'artzenu? It's because of our sins that we were exiled from our land. In other words, 
Galus is darkness. Galus is me saying, I'm my own boss. I do my own things. I control myself. So therefore, Galus is something which is non, not as concealment of Abishter. And therefore, it's the opposite of light. As we say, it's a result of our sins that we were sent away. So therefore, where we don't have ner mitzvah or then we have the darkness of galus. Now we're able to understand why, ma, why Shener Chanukah, the candle of Chanukah, is mitzvah, so its mitzvah is Mishatishka Chama, when the sun sets specifically, because that's what the Chanukah Menera is all about. The Chanukah Menera, and that's why, like Simcha was saying earlier, the Chanukah Menera is something which is so special, despite the fact that, as he mentioned, it's something which is referred to usually as a minor holiday. But the Hanukkah holiday is probably the holiday that has most, um, uh, that has reached the most secular Yiddin from any other holiday. More even than Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, or any day like that. Hanukkah's, now you might say that that's because of marketing and uh, and uh, Gaisha holidays and so on and so forth, but... That's not really why. That's an external reason why. The pneumistic reason why is because the Chanukah Menorah is about the light inside of the darkness. The Chanukah Menorah is the message that wherever you are, in whatever situation you may find yourself, wherever you may be, however secular, or distant, or unconnected you may feel, you still have the ability to light the Menorah. And this is why the, the, the Maimer says, V'zel ma, Shener Chanukah is mitzvah, so it's mitzvah, is specifically Mishatishka Chama, when the sun sets, Ki Inyin Ner Chanukah, the whole idea of the Chanukah Menorah, Hu Laha'ir Es Chishach is to go into your Nefesh Abahamis and say, yes, Nefesh Abahamis, you exist, but you're not something unusual. You're not something strange. And I could bring light even into the shop. Just circle that spot over there and you could light the candles right over there. It's to illuminate the darkness of exile. The time, the brackets over here. Um, uh, five lines from the bottom. The time of the miracle of Hanukkah. Even though then the Beis HaMikdash was standing. The time of Hanukkah, even though there was a Beis HaMikdash at that time, but that time is still called a period of exile. One of the exiles that we have, one of the four exiles, is the exile of Yavon, of Greece, Galus Yavon. And that Galus was during the time when the Beis HaMikdash was standing, because it was such a great darkness that we had, despite the fact that we had a Beis HaMikdash. Especially during those days, that are before the miracle. The period of the Greeks is a period which is associated the most with this concept of darkness. 
and it was such a pervasive darkness that its influence extended until today. The Greek influence is something that still shapes modern culture. And in a way of darkness, specifically, in a way of concealment, in a way of separation, of this idea that you're your own boss and you could do whatever you want and nobody could tell you what to do, in various ways, whether in in art or in sports or in um, uh, philosophy in various ways, but that's the underlying message in all of it. This darkness. And this was especially during that time, that was when the Greek culture was at its height. And it's from there that we have the Greek culture till today. Shalifnei Hanes that occurred before the miracle of Hanukkah. And this is what the miracle of Hanukkah was coming to uproot. Shahaya Hiskabr Sachishach. It was a strengthening of the darkness. Ukemuvan, as is understood. Minusach Va'al Hanisim. From the Nusach, the language that we say, Va'al Hanisim, in our davening, which we say during the eight days of Hanukkah, where we describe the Goydel Hatsaris in the Valanisim in the beginning, in the first part of that paragraph of Bimei Matisyo Ben Yechanan, we describe the great suffering, the darkness, the oppression which the Jews faced, a religious oppression which was unimaginable, perhaps unprecedented. The, uh, the religious oppression of the time of Greeks, the Greeks mastered religious oppression in a way which only was copied later on. Like the idea of write for yourselves on the horn of an ox so you have no portion in the God of Israel. And that horn of the ox represented your very life force. As one explanation says, there are various explanations, but one explanation says, why the horn of an ox? Because those horns were what they used as baby bottles. And the Greeks wanted that the baby suckling at its bottle should already be filled with this idea of Ein lachem Yisrael, so you have no portion of the God of Israel. This is just part of the the description of the great suffering that we had. They forced any from Yid to rip off his front door. Not to have the basic privacy that a person is supposed to have. Sending them the message, whatever you do, we're going to know about and uh, this is the beginning of communism. And the, 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 we're going to see, we're going to be able to um, see if you're practicing religion in any way. The Gaidal Hatsari Shahayu Oz that there was then. Vizehu Gamkin Mashezmanashal Nerchanaka Huacha Tichla Ragal Minashok. Now we go back to the opening statement of this Mimer, which again is going to be the main idea of the Mimer, which we're going to start in the next paragraph. But over here, we're still in the preface, in the introduction to the Mimer. And this is also why the time of the lighting of the menorah was ad shetichle regal minashuk until there are no more feet in the marketplace. 
And then, as the Gemara clarifies that, that's ad the kalya rigla de tarmaidai, until kalya, there is no longer any rigla, the feet of the tarmaidai, the tarmaidai, which we described earlier. Now, the Mimer is going to explain tarmaidai not according to pshat, but according to a deeper perspective from Pnimia Satera, Tarmaidai represents Haim, they are Hamurdim Bimalchus, those who are Mered, who rebel against Malchus Shamayim, the kingdom of heaven. And that's why, as it says in the parentheses, Tarmaid is Oisius Meredes. If you take the word Tarmaid and you um, re- um, arrange its letters, you're going to come out with the letters of the word Meredes, re- rebellion, the one who rebels. Veheim misakvim b'shuk. They are the ones who are in the shuk the longest. The shuk is not a place of unity. It's not a place of Torah study. It's not a place where the shul is, where the Beis HaMedrash is, it's the shuk, the opposite of all of that. And these meiredes are the ones who are there for the longest. Bechinas rishus harabim. The shuk represents bechinas, the level of rishus harabim. The rishus harabim is the public domain. What's public domain? So according to Hasidus, according to Pnimis Atera, public domain is the opposite of rishus hayachid. The Private domain. What's the private domain? The Rishus Shal Shal Oilam, the domain of Abishter, the domain of Hashem. <coughs> and what's the public domain? The domain of multiplicity, the opposite of Hashem Echad, the opposite of God's unity. That's the public domain. Torah, the Pradon, the Zayar, it's called mountains of separateness. Separateness because it's the multiplicity that denies the unity of God, that rejects the unity of God. Mountains, because it sticks out and exclaims, proclaims its own existence as it exists and um, not accepting the um, uh, reliance on Hashem in order to be able to exist. So now we understand what does that mean? Va'ad de kalya rigla de until kalya. Kalya means the word kala. Kalya has two two meanings, and we're going to look at both of those meanings over here in this in these next lines. That ad de kalya rigla de tarmidoi bebeiz hapirushim. There are two explanations. The two explanations were explained more in the Mimer before this one. That's the uh, mimer that the Rebbe said in the beginning of Tavshin, Shchanikas Tavshin Lamedches, and this is a mimer that the Rebbe said at the end of Shchanikas Tavshin Lamedches. In fact, this mimer was said by the Sudas Haida, by the 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 Farbrengen, which the Rebbe made, um, celebrating the recovery from the heart attack in on Simchas Torah Tavshin Lamedches, Shemini Atzeres. So ad the kalya rigla de tarmidoi is beis hapirushim. There are two explanations, which again the Rebbe had explained more in the first mimer, but the Rebbe is just referencing over here, and they are the following. 
First of all, Shahar Diner Chanukah Mechala Umevatel Es Rigla Determinedoy. That's the first explanation. The first explanation is is the Kalyum Iloshin Kiloyin. Kiloyin is um destroying, getting rid of the light of Chanukah when you light it at night in the Rishus Arabim. There's no other mitzvah like it. At night in the Rishus Arabim, you're lighting the light of Chanukah, and this light of Chanukah is able to kalya, to extinguish, to destroy, to get rid of mevatel. It negates rigla the tarmudei, the feet of the tarmudei, meaning this power of rebellion against all malchus shemayim. That's the first explanation, and the second explanation is. That means expiration in a way of um, lifting up, in a way of being brought higher. And that's the deeper explanation. Not that we want to destroy, but that we want to transform. We want to uplift. It the the Ur of Hanukkah affects the idea of kiloyin of expiration in a way of um, lifting up gam berigla the tarmaydoi even in the feet of these tarmaydoi shagam hamardim that even those who rebel against Abishter, against Hashem yispatlu they should become negated v'yisapchu they should become turned over v'yavayu and they should reach a level of klois hanefesh of Connecting to Hashem in the way of Klaisa Nefesh. Va'ad to the point, that their thirst, their kiloyin, their their chuka, their yearning, their 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 thirst, who oz is even stronger than someone who is enveloped in light. Ukiyadua, as we know and as we learned. At length in Igeris Hatshuva, Shatzimoyin Shobali Tshuva, the thirst of a Baltshuva, Tsama Lechonavshi, the thirst of a Baltshuva, who be yeser oz, Mitzimoyin Hatzadikim, is much stronger than the thirst of Tzadikim. It's stronger. There's two Tsama Lechonavshis, right? There's the slow Tsama Lechonavshi. That's the thirst is like so deep and yearning and and, and and there's the excited that the thirst is also with a greater power with a greater energy but both of those you have by a Baal more so than by a Tzadik because the advantage of light is from darkness that's what the holiday of Hanukkah is all about Yisrael Ha'armen Achishach. Hey, tzama, 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 l'chana,